Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Holy One, giver of all light, lift up our hearts and minds to Christ, the morning star that never fades. By the light of your Holy Spirit, reveal to us your saving word and lead us to offer our lives to you in service and in love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first reading today is from Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7 and 10 through 14. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. May the kings of Tarshish and of the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations give him service. For he delivers the needy when they call and the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. The second reading today is from Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. 
when then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The sermon today is entitled, Why Did the Wise Men Bother? I wonder why the wise men bothered to come all the way from some distance to look for a child. Yes, they were looking for a child, but what was it that they hoped to find? What made this child so special that they would chance danger? After all, it was a dangerous prospect to travel great distances in those days. Perhaps the clue lies in the word observed. This word leads us to believe that they were actively looking or seeking. Perhaps the clue lies in the next two words, his star. We believe that these travelers were astrologers, perhaps court priests from Parthia. Part of their ritual may have been to look for signs in the skies. Whatever, they, um, whatever the reason, they observed a star. And this star had significance enough for them that they were willing to risk their lives in search of a child. This must have been a very special child in their mind. Not every child has a star. We know this because they came ready to pay him homage. In other words, they came to worship. Well, who do we normally worship? Well, back then you worshiped kings or emperors or you worshiped gods. These travelers didn't come to worship just any king. They did not bow down and worship King Herod. In fact, they didn't seem to come to Jerusalem to ask, or they didn't seem afraid to come to Jerusalem to ask questions of King Herod. Perhaps they originally thought that this child was somehow related to King Herod since he was king of Judea at the time. The assumption may have been that this child came from Herod's line. Herod knew differently. Their words, king of the Jews, his star and pay him homage scared Herod. Perhaps these wise men began to, began to question their choice of coming to Jerusalem for guidance. Herod surely acted funny. He didn't know anything about a baby born into kingship. Herod had to consult with his own court priests, the chief priests and the scribes of the temple. And even they were not aware that anything significant had happened. Why not? If I'd been the wise man, I would have started questioning a lot of things in my own mind. How could such a child be born and even the chief priests and the scribes not be aware? 
Herod did seem to have enough sense to understand that these men had observed something significant and that they were asking for directions. Herod asked his advisors where the Messiah was to be born. The wise men came to King Herod to ask directions. They were sent to Bethlehem in fulfillment of scripture. Leaving the wise men in their visit to King Herod for a moment, we need to look at some points that the writer of Matthew makes even before we begin the story of the visit of the wise men. Matthew takes great pains to point out that this child Jesus is the Messiah or the anointed one. Kings or priests were often anointed. The Messiah was important to the Jewish people. In Jewish thought, the Messiah was a long sought after king of David's line who would establish peace. King David was considered Israel's greatest king. Abraham was not only the ancestral patriarch of the Israelites, but he was also the ancestor of a multitude of peoples, which included Gentiles. Matthew starts the gospel with a genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In starting with Abraham, Matthew seeks to trace Jesus' genealogy to the time of Joseph. What is interesting in this genealogy is the inclusion of foreign women, women outside Jewish lineage or Gentiles, but who are part of Jesus' lineage. By doing this, Matthew foreshadows Jesus' saving work, not only to the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles, for all people. Or humankind. The Gospel of Matthew also seeks to present Jesus' twofold origins. Jesus is first human, having the legitimate prerequisites to be Israel's Messiah, because he comes from King David's line and Jewish ancestry. Second, Jesus is divine, born from a virgin Mary by the Spirit of God, as addressed in the dream to Joseph when he was considering divorcing Mary. Joseph was told in the dream not to divorce Mary. The baby she carried was a very special baby. So even before the wise men, we know that this child is special. In fact, Matthew tells us that this baby is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So we don't need the star sign to know that this child is God with us. Matthew has already let us in on the secret. King Herod does not know this secret yet, nor do the chief priests and the scribes, but they may be beginning to suspect something is up because Matthew tells us that Herod was frightened. Herod also specifically asked the chief priests and the scribes for information about the Messiah. Is he beginning to suspect something is up? Herod was granted the title of king of Judea by the Roman Senate. As such, he was a vassal of the Roman Empire, expected to support the interests of his Roman patrons. I can understand why King Herod might experience fear when asked about a child born king of the Jews. For one thing, he was responsible for helping to keep the peace in his province. What might happen if there truly was a king of the Jews? How had this happened? What would it mean for his position? What I can't understand is the people's fear. Why was all Jerusalem fearful of this news? 
I would have thought that the people would have been glad. Why were they afraid? The truth may lay in the fact that the title of king was granted only by Rome. This means that the story that the wise men were bringing had some potentially subversive implications against the Roman government at the time. Richard Horsley in his book, In the Shadow of Empire says, and I quote, that Jesus' followers and the movements they formed understood that Jesus was challenging the Roman imperial order is evident in the legends that emerged surrounding his birth and infancy. The occasion for Jesus' birth was Caesar Augustus's decree that all were subject to the tribute. To render to Caesar a portion of his crops, Joseph was forced to return with his pregnant wife to the town of his origin, Bethlehem which he or his parents had abandoned because they could no longer make a living there. The story illustrates the ridiculous and counterproductive hardships that the Roman emperor was forcing upon the struggling people. At his birth, Jesus is proclaimed as the Messiah who will lead Israel against the oppressive empire. And he is also proclaimed as savior. But savior was a title for Caesar who had supposedly brought peace and security to the world. Thus, Jesus born is the alternative savior, the savior of the people in opposition to Caesar, whose security was oppressive to the people, unquote. I think the King Herod and the chief priests and the scribes knew something was up, but did not as yet understand what was going on. Uncertainty can cause fear. They were afraid, and anyone who feared to lose their status with the Roman Empire or the government, government may have felt threatened, which mostly was the elite of the society. They saw the birth of this child not as a gift, but as a threat. Why did the wise men bother? Why did they bother to take the time to travel all the way to the land of Israel? And what was it that they really hoped to find? They came to worship a child and not just any child, but Jesus. Matthew wants us to realize that God is present in Jesus. God has come to dwell with God's people. And this means that we can now experience the transforming reality of God's presence in our lives. The gospel is interested in exploring the ways that God is present on earth. Matthew does not mean that Jesus was an agent of God or that God worked through him. Rather, Matthew thinks that when Jesus was born, God entered the world as never before. God is now with us. Today, we celebrate Epiphany. The season of Epiphany is about revelation. It's a time of recognizing the arrival of God's plan in Jesus. It is a time to look forward to God's ongoing action through the Christ event. So what difference does God's revelation make? The season of Advent was about waiting. Epiphany is about the grand expectations that will come after the visitor has arrived. Sometimes we must be open to new resources for revelation, like dreams and stars, or advice from children, and words of hope from unexpected places. 
Presently, I'm completing the last stage of the educational part of my journey in order to eventually complete the requirements needed for me to be ordained into the pulpit of a church. It is a call that started back in 2003. This has not been an easy journey, and like the wise men, I do not know exactly where the journey will lead. I do not know with certainty what the future holds. In a way, I follow the star. I trust in God's guidance and in God's provision. Like the wise men, there have been dangers along the way. Presently, I am part of a clinical pastoral education program and am working at the Episcopal Home in Rochester. I finally understand in part what it has been like for essential workers and first responders who wake up each day and head back into work with the danger of COVID-19 lurking over their present. They are true heroes. Despite this danger, I've also experienced God's presence. I stood in awe on the dementia ward on Thursday and watched one of the residents mother another who was confused and wasn't sure where she was supposed to be. She helped her find a seat and sit down and then comforted her by combing her hair. It was beautiful, watch and I was the one blessed. As we enter 2021, what is it that you hope for? Like the residents I work with, I pray for God's peace and healing for our nation and for the world. And I leave you with a poem by Langston Hughes. As Hughes' poem expresses, so may this be our dream as we enter 2021. I dream a world where man, no other man will scorn, where love will bless the earth and peace its paths adorn. I dream a world where all will know sweet freedom's way, where greed no longer saps the soul nor avarice blights our day. A world I dream where black or white, whatever race you be, will share the bounties of the earth and every man is free. Where wretchedness will hang its head and joy like a pearl attends the needs of all mankind. Of such I dream my world. Let us bow our heads for a moment. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words and we pray that as we enter 2021, that like the wise men, we will follow you. We will follow your star and we will yet again experience the Christ child, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that this will motivate us to do whatever it is that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.